0: Nicely done, Anthony. Uh, it's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. If you're watching us on YouTube at the Team 980, we're awkwardly spaced apart. No, I'm going to get closer to you. I, I, I prefer okay awkward spacing. That's what I'm okay, best I'm going to I'm I'm go really back good as an then. awkward spacer. No. Uh, no, you do enough <laughs> television. You know how this works. We have yeah. to be awkwardly close. That is Noah Eagle, everybody. Uh, he is calling the Super Bowl for Nickelodeon. What a sentence.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, honestly. Everyone keeps asking me, well, uh, could you have ever imagined this? And No, why could I have imagined that this was <laughs> going to happen? I don't understand. Did somebody 18 years ago think, you know what, one day the Super Bowl is going to be on Nickelodeon? I did think that for a second, but then I also thought they had sweet victory already. And that felt like a Super Bowl type environment, so maybe that was some foreshadowing. I don't know. All I know is I'm very excited.
0: How different does a Nickelodeon like play-by-play preparation board look than a regular like if all of a sudden <laughs> if all of a sudden Nance gets sick and they're like, oh crap, uh, Noah, we need you to fill in with Romo. Like, are you like, I'm not prepared for yeah, this? I, I need slime. I might the might, I might be
1: the one saying, ooh, I don't know, Jim. I, <laughs> I, I. It's very different. The board itself is at least the outline is there. Yeah. So I'll have the rosters, the depth chart, and the perfunctory stats. Yeah, but man, perfunctory—that's mi- a good Syracuse. Yeah, word. Th- thank you. Yeah, I like multi-syllable compound words. Multi-syllabic. That's the way I do it. Kiss. Yes. Oh wow, we're going extra here. We're going yeah. the extra mile. I, I would say I, I still have all that stuff—the bare bones—but I don't have the nitty-gritty that I would normally have for a game, which is probably the most important meat on that bone. Yeah. Instead, I've got references of SpongeBob and Jellyfish and Dora the Explorer and all of the extra stuff, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Of course. So I'm ready to go for the broadcast. That's more important for this one.
0: Yeah, that's nice. All right, uh, since you won't get uh, as much football in the actual game on Sunday, you want to talk a little ball, and then I do want to uh, – lean into your nba bona fides because the trade deadline uh I don't, the time change is murdering us out here <laughs> we have no idea what time it is when anything is happening but apparently the deadline was 15 minutes ago is when, is when the trade it was i think it was an hour or it was an hour ago. i don't know some the trade deadline happened there's yeah, no it's more trade over so we will lean into uh, some nba stuff here in a second with noah but um i the the consensus seems to be everyone's starting to lean into kansas city with how they're playing as of late uh, and that Mahomes guy is—he's uh, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, are you—are you a part of this this majority that's leaning into Kansas City? I don't know. I
1: think I saw Scott Van Pelt who made the point about this yesterday, and I think he's pretty correct. So when the line first came out for this game, it was two and a half in favor of Kansas City, which uh, in favor of uh, San Francisco. Excuse yeah. me. Which was shocking in many respects because Mahomes had been an underdog the last couple of weeks, and we saw what happened. Mahomes as an underdog is incredibly he's not an underdog he's the best player certainly right now maybe ever. yeah he might be the most talented quarterback we've ever seen with our two eyes and so to put him as an underdog multiple weeks is already crazy to do it for a Super Bowl I think is absolute lunacy and I I felt that way last year when I got to the Super Bowl and everyone's like well the Eagles are really good I'm like yeah but Patrick Mahomes is on the other side of the field and Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes and that's hard to beat. It's really hard to bet against that guy. But when they came out and the Niners, it was two and a half, uh, minus 2.5 San Francisco, everyone was pouncing on that, and they said, Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas City. And what happens is I feel like Vegas always seems to know something, and Vegas is always tends to be right. They don't
0: lose for a reason. Yeah, we're not sitting in air conditioning here in the middle of the desert because they're bad at this. Correct, correct.
1: The, the, the house always wins in some capacity. So I saw all of everybody flooding to bet Kansas City. I'm like,
0: maybe San Francisco? What's yeah, going to happen here? I, I'm, so tw- I'm so torn, and part of it is, like, it is pure selfishness, because I picked San Francisco before the season, <laughs> and I like being right. You do? And so, uh, I I would love to be right, but I also, there's part of me that's like, for the rightness, I might just hedge and be like, I don't know, I take Kansas City now, say yeah. it was a guy. I got it no matter what, but it really does, like, we've talked about this a lot, so for the audience, I apologize for saying this for the 800th time, but, like when you, you pick the Ravens or you pick the Bills in the last couple of weeks against Mahomes in the playoffs, the second it comes out of your mouth, you feel like the biggest idiot in the world. Right. I think San Francisco's fantastic. But I also just, if you start to look at the matchup, the schematics of it, like, Kansas City's running game, I think, can be effective against San Francisco. Like, some of the, the weak points in San Francisco, to the extent that they exist, are things that I think Kansas City does very well.
1: That's fair. I think this is the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had since becoming a starting quarterback for the Without Chiefs. Question. By, and it's not even close. And so You're giving a guy who's already been off the charts good something else, another weapon that's going to help aid him, that's going to take some of that onus off his back. That's a scary thought in itself. The, the one thing I will say in favor of San Francisco for this is they have been here now before. This isn't yeah. the first time for them. And we, we talked to Kyle Juszczyk before the game. We get very, uh, just a couple players, essentially, from both teams. We get two players per team for the Nickelodeon side. And we just did ask Kyle because we were more curious of, hey, what's different this time than the last time? And he said the last time he just didn't know how to handle the friends and family. He didn't know how to handle all the media stuff going. It changes your entire week. So now – if it's Juszczyk or if it's Debo Samuel or even guys like Kittle and some of the defensive guys that have been here, they know what to expect. They have a better idea of how to budget their time. And Brock Purdy is just so cool and calm and collected under pressure. I do love one of my favorite aspects of this quarterback matchup is because Brady just retired, obviously. And right. I mean, we've talked enough about Brady, but I'm going to bring him up again here. There's a reason he's the greatest of all time in terms of winning, in terms of raising the level of his teammates and everything else he brought. But he had so many different – he almost had three different careers in one. Right. First part of his career, he was this underdog, cast aside, late-round pick, six-round pick, 199th overall, wasn't supposed to start, thrust in because of injury, wins a Super Bowl. Sounds like what Brock Purdy's trying to do right now. Right. The second part of his career was, hey, you're the MVP of the league. Your team is trying to become a dynasty. And the third part of his career was where he was just smarter than everybody. It feels like Patrick Mahomes is somewhere in between that second and third part of the Tom Brady arc right now. So it's but he's almost, only 28. Yes, correct. It's completely different. But it's almost these two that are coming together together of what Brady did and what made Brady so special. And so I'm, I'm fascinated to see. Is it going to be the Brock Purdy underdog story? Is it going to be Mahomes trying to become the GOAT that wins out on Sunday?
0: Noah Eagle calling the game for Nickelodeon. Yep, Noah Eagle calling the game for Nickelodeon on Sunday along with Nate Burleson. I know you guys will have a fantastic time. Uh, so when you look at kyle shanahan i think he's one of the more interesting guys in this game obviously like he's one of the head coaches but in terms of like the legacy type of discussions that tend to happen around this his super bowl resume is they lost to mahomes and company a couple years ago and then we all know what happened uh with new commanders coach dan quinn sorry to bring it up uh with the 28-3 game uh with one of those those brady phases you talked about um like if he goes zero for three here like is that significant does it is it just like hey man you ran into mahomes like What's the Kyle Shanahan narrative for you going into this game? Yeah, I think it's somewhat
1: significant. He's still a young coach by all counts and purposes here, right? He's still very much a lot in front of him. You know, he's got a a long way to go in his coaching career. And, you know, I don't know how old his dad was when he won his first
0: Super Bowl. Yeah, it had been a while. And he had some high-profile failures as well.
1: Big time. So, look, if he loses, is he automatically like, all right, he can't get it done – I'm sure people will say it. It's not true. I've, In all the meetings I've had with coaches, Kyle Shanahan's been maybe the most impressive because he looks you in the eye. He's a football encyclopedia. He's going to tell you everything you ask. He's going to answer everything in detail. He's going to go through scouting reports. He's going to go through everything. And then he's just going to have some fun, talk about Jordans and talk about his love for shoes and talk about his family and everything else. I think his coaching tree speaks for itself already, and yeah. we're starting to see the success that a lot of those assistants are having. But the only reason I'll say that this is different is because he's got Brock Purdy now. And I think the one thing that you could have said about that Super Bowl a couple of years back is Jimmy Garoppolo had a wide open, I think it was Emmanuel Sanders, right, streaking oh, down yeah. the middle of the field yeah, he overthrew yeah. him. That That's a completed pass. Game's probably over. Game's probably a San Francisco victory. And now we're talking about who knows if Mahomes gets back and wins one because that was his first victory. Changes the trajectory and the history of the game. So – I think the Purdy is the difference, right, because the defense is still menacing. The running game is even better now with McCaffrey. The weapons arguably are better now because you've got Debo and Ayuk and Kittle and others. So the team in theory is better, and the quarterback play is better. So now it's like, all right, your team's better. Their team might even be worse. They don't have Tyreek Hill. They don't have some of the weapons that they had. Their defense is better, but in, in theory, their team isn't quite as complete especially offensively and as explosive offensively as it was a couple years ago. Kelsey's getting older. He's been sensational in the playoffs, but we've seen he's had some down weeks this year. We could go on and on. So this is an opportunity, and I feel like he knows this is an opportunity that he has to grasp.
0: Yeah, no, I I do think the having been there is a big thing for Kyle, and as you mentioned, for the team. There's just something about that of knowing, okay, this is what it's going to take. So we'll see on Sunday. Uh, Obviously, the game is on CBS for the main broadcast, but if you'd like to watch uh, Noah call it, on Nickelodeon, check that out, uh, flip over for a little bit. Uh, you guys carry, like, the halftime show, too? Like, how does that work? Come on now. Oh, yeah. Not, the, so, uh,
1: I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a couple things. Okay. One, our game is going to be coming to you live from Bikini Bottom. So, okay. if you're a SpongeBob fan, that's a big deal. You know that. It's a big deal. Two, the game's going to start with none other than Sweet Victory. That's going to start the broadcast, which is a huge deal. Now the energy is going to be off the charts, and, yes, we will have Usher as well. So it's a a total package.
0: There you go. All right, so that's on Nickelodeon. All right, Uh, Noah, also uh, NBA play-by-play, called Clippers games for a bunch of years on the radio, uh, now working uh, on Yes Network for the Nets as well. So how surprised are you, uh, as we just pop the NBA hats right on, (laughs) that Kyle Kuzma and Tyus Jones are still Wizards and we are talking after the trade deadline? I'm a little surprised, but I'm
1: not completely shocked at the same you know time. Because you know Winger from I know Michael LA. well, yeah. yeah. I know Michael well, and knowing Michael, he's meticulous and he doesn't get trigger happy. He's not going to just make a deal for the sake of making a deal. He's going to make a deal with the idea of how it's going to impact the team in the future. And I think that he knows they've got some pieces starting with Bilal and is going to have to be a building block for them, and he's going to improve. I think... It's really hard now in the NBA. I think we've got and really every sport, but especially in basketball, we've gotten to this point where let's just look at the trajectory of two different guys, right? Bilal Kolobali comes in as the youngest guy in the draft. He is raw. He was a late bloomer. He grew into his body a little bit. And you can see some of that raw ability, but he's young. Now in the current landscape of the NBA, we just saw this with Killian Hayes, which I'm, I think Killian Hayes is a different circumstance because he's kind of shown what he is already. There, there haven't been enough flashes. But even like Kobe White is a better example, right? Mm-hmm. Kobe White, top ten pick out of college. He was one and done, so he was really young coming in. And after year three, everyone's like, I don't know. Like, is Kobe White really going to be a guy who can impact the roster, can help winning or any of that? And this year he's having a breakout season, one of the most improved players in the league. He's 22 years old. Right. He's still so young versus a guy in Herb Jones who comes out and or even Terrence Mann, better example. Terrence Mann was twenty two, twenty three by the time the season started, his rookie season started, it was a second round pick. And he barely played as a rookie. And most people and I saw it, I was with the Clippers at the time, most people around, not in the organization, but around, right? Fans and other media and what are like, ah, oh, well Terrence Mann's never gonna play for them. Well then Terrence Mann the next year scored thirty nine points to send them to the Western Conference finals. Right. So it's interesting because he's a guy who is older and developed quick into a year but you don't look at those guys the same anymore and I think Michael Winger who was someone who was instrumental in bringing Terrence Mann in who was someone that was instrumental in really finding some of those younger players like a Shea Gilgis Alexander he was huge on SGA and wanted to do everything in his power to keep him on the Clippers as did Lawrence Frank but they were big-time talent evaluators so The reason I don't think I'm shocked is because I think he looked at it and said, I can't get enough for the future of this organization. To put the future of this organization, I can get enough for right now, but that's not what this team needs right now. This team needs more moving forward. So he's going to hold on to his pieces and understand that leverage comes with time. And leverage comes with circumstance, and that circumstance and time could change.
0: I think the other factor here is leverage comes with a market that actually can give you what you want. Exactly. Um, and I don't think that people fully realize how many picks are locked up that get unlocked at the draft. Correct. Like Kyle Kuzma, like the number of teams that are able to offer a, a first-round pick or two first-round picks or, or some whatever Michael Winger's price is, is very small right now. Uh, draft comes around that next wave of picks gets unlocked. Some things get paid off in trades that are tying up picks like to the market right now. I'm, I'm actually, I'm not surprised that a lot of movement didn't, I mean, there's still obviously some big moves, buddy healed, probably the biggest one of the day going to Philadelphia. Can he help keep them afloat uh, while Joel is out? But I am not surprised with how many contenders have already made deals in the past that have draft capital tied up that we didn't see some more names move to. Yeah, in. and
1: that's hard because you don't think of that stuff because maybe it happened two, three months ago or maybe the, the big contract is limiting something like that because now a team's saying, okay, if we trade for this guy, we're going to have to try to pay him at the end of the season. We're not going to have the money for it, and then we're just giving up these assets for nothing. So there, there are circumstances that call for it. This was, to your point, one of the less volatile trade deadlines I feel. Like of the last couple of years, not a ton of big names that were moved anyway. And so for the Wizards, the best thing that they can do is be patient because they don't – I understand that everyone's impatient. Everyone wants instant gratification. So everyone wants this organization to improve quickly and rapidly. The best way to do this, the best way to put yourself in a long-term position of success is to be patient and find your right moment. I know everybody hated the process in Philadelphia. I get that. I, I don't agree with everything that they did. But the one thing that it got out of, that they got out of it, It was Joel Embiid, who won the MVP last year, who is one of the best players in NBA history at his position. They got Ben Simmons, which eventually got them James Harden. They got Markel Fultz, which eventually landed them some other assets. And, look, he was a number one overall pick. They could have had Jason Tatum. All of that aside, you look at it and say it netted them legit assets to set them up for the long-term future. So you've got to be patient here. Give it a couple years. Michael is a brilliant basketball mind. You've got to trust him.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. That's Noah Eagle uh, taking off whatever hat uh, we just had him put on, his his NBA (laughs) hat. uh, And then he will parade himself around Radio Row and continue to tell all of the other radio stations about the Super Bowl on Nickelodeon. Again, you can watch that this Sunday. Noah, good to see you, buddy. A pleasure, as always. Thanks for uh, having me. One of your pals, by the way, is Noah's also the by uh, play, play voice of Big Ten football on NBC, Mike Loxley, uh, stopping by. Lox, man. Uh, Jonathan Ogden before the end of the hour. What a show we have today for you here on the team, 980.